My name is Roy Smith, and some of you know me, but many of you don't. So I think a bit of introduction is in order. Good idea. I'm the lay leader at St. Mark United Methodist Church, which is a church that's in the process of merging with First United Methodist Church with all of our dozen or so people. I'd like to take this opportunity to tell you, and I think I can truly speak on behalf of my fellow St. Markans in letting you know how much we appreciate the warm, friendly welcome that we've re received from all of you here at First UMC of Santa Barbara, so thank you. At St. Mark, whenever our pastor was away for whatever reason, I was often asked to preach, and my only credential for doing so is my willingness to do so. <laughs> One thing I have in common with Pastor Liz is that I spent many years as a volunteer doing prison ministry. I've given hundreds of talks to audiences of inmates at the United States Penitentiary at Lompoc, yet I admit that I'm feeling a bit nervous preaching to you this morning. You people are all free to stand up and leave if you don't like what I'm saying. But at USP Lompoc, I was always speaking to a captive audience. How many people here today have read the Gospel according to St. Mark? Okay. So, what kind of writing is it? What kind of writing is in the Gospel according to St. Mark? Is it mostly full of theology or philosophy? or life application, or self-help? No. It's full of stories. You might see a running theme here. Last Tuesday, I enjoyed um, having coffee during Coffee with the Pastor, with Pastor Rob and several other First United people at a coffee shop on State Street. Did we talk about theology, philosophy, life application, or self-help? No we mostly told stories. We told stories about times we had lost our keys, times we had misplaced our cell phones, stories about floods, about dogs, and about remarkable things that have happened which showed us how God was at work in our lives. And every story we told reminded us of another story. Now Jesus told lots of stories. Our lives become our stories. Jesus wrote down many stories, or Mark wrote down many stories that Jesus told and about what Jesus did. And today's story is about a demonized man and some pigs and what Jesus did, which reminds me of a story. Not so many years ago, St. Mark UMC got a new pastor named Pastor Cindy. And shortly after that time, our three local United Methodist churches decided to coordinate discussions and discussion groups about current events, and we met in Isla Vista. Pastor Cindy offered to carpool me there, and she and I enjoyed many inspiring conversations there and back, and we got to know each other better. On one trip, I asked Pastor Cindy, Cindy what her favorite church hymn might be. She said, I don't have a specific favorite hymn because I love so many, but if there is one hymn we shall never sing. It's called Silence, Frenzied, Unclean Spirit. You might now have guessed that I can be mischievous. So I said, well, I guess we'll have to wait till you're gone to sing that one. 
God has a sense of humor, as you all know. Not long after that, in Pastor Cindy's absence, I was called upon to preach on the topic of the same scripture passage that I'm preaching about today, the demonized man and the pigs. When I was looking for appropriate hymns to sing that Sunday morning back in June of 2019, the hymn I found with words that fit best, the story of that passage was, you guessed it, silence, frenzied, unclean spirit. The lyrics were perfect, but the tune is nearly impossible to sing. Have you ever noticed the little numbers at the bottom of the pages in the hymnal? Books that, in the hymn books that we sing from, if you find the same numbers at the, at the bottom of any other page, then you can sing that tune to those lyrics. Like how you can sing Amazing Grace to the tune of the theme song from Gilligan's Island, or <laughs> House of the Rising Sun. There are so many different possible combinations of, of tunes and lyrics. So I decided back then that we should sing the, the, the lyrics to Silent, Frenzied, Unclean Spirit to a more familiar tune, and it was a really bad idea. There are so many possible combinations, but this whole thing was a complete train wreck. But now my train of thought is getting off the track from the stories in the Bible. I think this story about Jesus traveling from the western shore to the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee and then encountering and healing a man besieged by a legion of demons and every detail within it is one of the most finely written and enlightening stories ever told. Okay, let's recap this story. We've got Jesus sailing in a boat from west to east, from kosher-respecting people to a herd of non-kosher pigs. Now, why would the author of Mark include this story in this place? Everything that Mark writes is intentional with specific purpose. Obviously, the east shore of the lake represents non-Jewish customs. The demon-possessed man surrounded by a herd of pigs is the epitome of everything non-Jewish. Jesus has sailed into the most non-Jewish, non-kosher environment imaginable. Jesus was so intent on going to this awful place that he even walked on water and calmed a storm to get there. Now Mark is an expert writer and he always has a purpose for everything he writes. Whenever you read the Gospel of Mark, ask yourself why this story is in this place or why that story is there. Mark is like an ancient architect, carefully choosing stone by stone every element for what he wrote. In this story, the crazy, totally insane, pig herd living, graveyard-dwelling, chain-breaking, maniacal guy winds up sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening. Not only that, he takes in the good news about what Jesus was saying, and he spreads it all over town. Why did Mark write that for us to read? St. Mark has presented us with a model of how we should respond to Jesus. And the human example that Mark provides us is cast as the lowest of the low, a homeless man with mental illness or even demon possession, living among pigs in a cemetery. For your mental picture, I do not want you to imagine a beautiful, well-manicured, cemetery like the one on the end of Cabrillo Street with expert groundskeepers and beautiful landscaping. Instead, 
Try to picture a run-down cemetery so unkempt and so abandoned and forgotten that it has literally become a pig farm. There's an unclean man living there, curled up at night with pig slop among grave markers, stripped, and dilapidated tombs. Jesus has intentionally traveled from a clean, tidy place of polite society to the most opposite environment imaginable. This talk has three points, just like it's supposed to, and here they are. Look, listen, share. First, the demonized man looked at Jesus, recognized him, and realized he had a problem that only Jesus had the authority to handle, to disentangle. Second, after his initial recognition of Jesus, the no longer demonized man sat at Jesus' feet and heard what Jesus had to say, and it changed his life. Third, after the man had recognized Jesus and listened to his words, he walked into town and told everyone what had happened. He shared his experience, his own story. He changed other people's lives. Mark is presenting us here with a model for our own behavior. So let's start with demons. What are they? I truly believe that every one of us here this morning already knows very well what demons are, that every one of us here has encountered demons throughout our lives and has been challenged with dealing with those demons in our families, among our friends and acquaintances, and especially in our own selves. I'm so sure that everyone here already knows what demons are, that any definition I could come up with would do a weak injustice to what you already know to be true. Demons are not some Hollywood bat-like creatures with horns and sharp fingernails, creepy contact lenses, and annoying cackling laughter like from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Popular culture has depicted demons in such a ridiculous way that we're tempted to dismiss their existence entirely. But all of us already know demons all too well. Call them by some other name if you prefer. Who knows what demon, demons plagued the man in this story? We have no idea, but Mark tells us there were a legion of them, rooting around in his head like filthy pigs in an abandoned cemetery. And we, like the man in Mark's story, beg Jesus not to throw us into the chaos, but instead to allow us to sit at his feet, to listen to his voice. And the people were amazed by the effect of Jesus' words. And then they feel threatened. We fear the unknown, the unfamiliar. Sometimes we cuddle up to our demons. Better the devil that you know, right? Mark reports that after the man listened to Jesus, he was in his right mind. What does it mean to be in your right mind? I think for the same reason that I don't need to define what demons are, for all of you who already know exactly what they are, I don't need to explain to you what it is to be in your right mind. You already know very well what that is. And you already also know how it feels not to be in your right mind. It feels terribly confusing. For some reason, we love to talk about our physical woes, but we hate to talk about anything going askew in our brains, in our psyches, in our spiritual lives. We love it when people write silly stuff on the casts on our broken legs, 
But when we're feeling unmotivated, depressed, or despondent, we often hide it under a bushel. We say, I'm fine, how are you? It also seems odd to me that sometimes we feel reluctant to share positive experiences in our lives simply because they may fall into some taboo category of what we're not supposed to talk about in polite society. Jesus trudged and sailed across a lake into the least possible polite society environment imaginable with the sole purpose, according to Mark, of healing an unclean man in an unclean land who responded by telling the whole town what Jesus did for him. And then they threw Jesus out. Are we unclear about what the good news really is? This guy who had everything against him went into the town and shared with everyone the story of what God had done for him. In polite society, we're not supposed to talk about religion or politics, but people love to listen to stories. And if we can share the stories of our lives, then we can share what God has done and is doing in our lives. Ever vigilant, every one of us should not only be looking for Jesus, for God, in every moment of our lives, but we also need to be equipped to recognize Jesus, even in those unclean places where we least expect God to appear. Our favorite place to sit should be at the feet of Jesus, listening carefully, absorbing every word in all the many places where God speaks. However God's voice might sound, and from whatever source, no matter how unlikely. Have you ever noticed what the ending of every story has in common with the ending of every other story ever told? How every story you've ever heard ends in the same way, and I'm not talking about, and they lived happily ever after. I'm not only talking about every story in the Bible, I'm also talking about every story you've ever told to a friend, every story ever shared at a Tuesday afternoon coffee with the pastor, or around a lasagna dinner, hint, hint, or in any context you can imagine. Every story ends with the beginning of another story. I'd like to invite us all to look for ways that God is at work in our lives. I encourage us all to listen for the voice of Jesus as we listen to one another. And I'm excited about creative ways that we can discover to share the stories of our lives in every context. There's one final detail to this story before we begin the next one. Last Tuesday at Coffee with the Pastor, Pastor Rob told me something that made me change the way I think about the story that Jesus, about Jesus driving the pigs, driving the demons into the pigs, and how the pigs jumped into the lake and drowned. Pastor Rob told me something he had heard firsthand from a pig farmer, a swineherd, an expert on pigs. Pigs can swim. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>